Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. We at Living Word Ministries are excited to host a special evening to talk about current events in Bible prophecy and to answer any and all questions you might have on Bible prophecy. So much is happening so quickly in this world that Jesus could return at any time and we need to be prepared. So please join Jan Weil and myself, Debbie Blank, on Thursday, October 5th at Redeemer Church in Omaha. 13831 Industrial Road. Again, that's October 5th, Thursday evening from 7 to 9 p.m. at Redeemer Church. Hope to see you there. Now let's move into today's discussion. Last week, we talked about the most important decision you will ever make. That decision, of course, is whether to surrender your life to Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. Then and only then, Will you enjoy a relationship with God for the rest of your life on earth, as well as in heaven, for all eternity? When we get to heaven, we will stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ in order to not be judged for our sins, but instead to receive rewards for all that we did for him here on earth. What's that going to look like? That's our discussion today. Jackie and I are going to read some passages in Scripture to show the blessings that are awaiting us. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. The Bible makes it clear that your salvation is a free gift. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 state it very clearly. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. But once we wrap our heads around the fact that salvation is a completely free gift of God, purchased by Jesus on the cross, that we can't take any credit for ourselves, and that there are no works that we could ever do to earn or deserve it, then we come across the concept of rewards. Rewards for the things we do for God on earth. Rewards for works. That may sound confusing and contradictory, since we just read one of many scriptures which clearly state that our works do not get us into heaven. So where does this talk of future rewards come from? It comes straight from the Bible. What may sound like a major contradiction isn't a contradiction at all. Today we'll present God's great plan to give believers eternal rewards at the heavenly judgment. And that is going to be quite the day. First of all, we need to know that what we do on this earth determines our eternity. If we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and follow him truly with our hearts by faith, then we'll spend eternity with him in heaven. If we do not, unfortunately, we will be relegated to hell because we have not received, believed, and called Jesus Lord, the one who saved us from our sins. We know that. We talk about that a lot on the show, that our determination of eternity is done here on earth. We must first be saved from our sins here on earth to spend eternity with God. But then we don't talk necessarily much about the rewards that we get and the things that we do on this earth for God. Now, you just quoted Ephesians 2, 8, 9. After we're saved from those passages, it tells us, then in verse 10, it says, 
You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Once we have a relationship with Jesus and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we should have a desire. Part of our salvation is a desire to walk with Jesus and to serve him. What does that look like? Well, it looks different for each one of us because God gives us spiritual gifts and he wants us to use those gifts for his kingdom. But he tells us many things. He wants us to share the truth of the word of God. He wants us to share the gospel with people. He wants us to be obedient to his commandments. There's lots of things God wants us to do. Whether or not we do them determines the rewards we receive in heaven. Let's consider that the greatest joy in heaven is being with Jesus and with God forever. We'll be able to see God face to face, which no one has ever done before. And after that, according to 2 Corinthians 5.10, we're going to be blessed by Jesus for what we've done here on earth. Let me read that passage to you. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Let me stop there for a minute. When Paul's writing this to the Corinthians, he's writing it to the Corinthian believers. So when he says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, he's talking about those believers who have by faith surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord of their lives. He's not talking about all people on earth because there's a different judgment for those people who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You can read about that in Revelation 20. That's called the great white throne judgment. That's the judgment of unbelievers. This judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, is the judgment for believers, all believers. And by the way, he's writing this to the Corinthians again. And in Corinth, there was a judgment seat. It was called a Bema seat, where the proconsul would judge the people in that city. Paul actually stood before that proconsul, so he understood the concept of a judgment seat, of someone standing above them on a pedestal and then bringing judgment on some actions that had taken place. The difference here is the judgment is not going to be on our sins because we're already in heaven. If we were being judged on our sins, we wouldn't be in heaven. Instead, we're judged on our deeds to determine our rewards. I think that is the key. I remember the first time I realized the judgment seat in this particular case was in heaven. And as you said, we're already there. So salvation has been accomplished. Salvation comes first. And then the works. So it's the works that we do after we've been saved that can be rewarded in heaven. It's interesting to make that differentiation so that we don't get mixed up about it. So it tells us we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may be recompensed for the deeds he's done in the body, according to what he's done, whether good or bad. Recompensed means receive rewards. And what are we going to receive rewards for? The deeds that we've done in the body. And then it says whether they be good or bad. Hmm, that sounds like maybe judgment for sins, but it's not. We'll talk about that in a minute. So we have to ask ourselves, where is this judgment going to take place? We're clearly in heaven because we're standing at the judgment seat of Christ, and that is where Christ is. So then the question is, when's it going to happen? According to 1 Corinthians 4, 5, it says, Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will bring 
to light the things hidden in darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. The concept of when it's going to take place, it tells us right there, when Jesus comes. Now, we know scripturally Jesus is going to come twice. Once is in the air to meet his believers. That's called the rapture of the church. First Thessalonians four sixteen and 17 says, For the Lord himself shall so descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and there we will be with him always. That's the first time that Jesus comes in the air to take his believers up into heaven with him. That happens before the tribulation period on earth, the seven years that's outlined in Daniel 9, 27, and then again throughout the whole book of Revelation. So during the time of the tribulation on earth, we're going to be experiencing the judgment seat of Christ in heaven. But while the tribulation is horrible and trials and struggles with everyone on earth, our judgment seat is going to be blessings and honors and rewards. And that's so breathtaking to me to think that we don't deserve salvation. It's a free gift of God. So we're there by no works of our own. And yet he will take the works that we do for him on earth for the kingdom and reward us for them. We didn't deserve salvation. Why would we deserve rewards simply for being in the kingdom and being a part of his kingdom? And yet he is so loving and so generous. It just kind of boggles the mind. He rewards us for our obedience to him. I think of it in life. God clearly gave me the gift of teaching because I didn't like to study and I didn't like to read. And yet when I became a believer, I was absorbed in the word of God and found myself in many teaching opportunities. It's not my gift. I didn't have anything to do with it, but God gave it to me. Once he gives us a gift, it's our responsibility to use it. I tell you that because it's not so important that you know your gift because you'll figure it out. I knew my gift was teaching because that's where my passion was. And I didn't have to take a test to figure that out. If your passion is serving in the kitchen, then your gift is serving. If you're called to be a pastor of a church, then your gift may be administration or it may be teaching also. So you know what your gift is simply by where your passion is once you become a believer. And mine was teaching. So God's called me to teach. What if I never went out and taught? What if I just learned all this knowledge and this information about God, but never shared it with other people? That would be bearing the gifts that God has given me instead of using them. Now, I will tell you honestly that in my over 40 years of teaching, I haven't always done it with the right motive. I remember a time when I was teaching marriage without regrets to a large group of women, and I was madder than a hat at my husband. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so I would go in and I would teach some stuff, and I believed it, but I wasn't necessarily living it at the time because I was angry with my husband. Sometimes we can do good things, but with the wrong motives. And if we do that, we won't receive rewards. Now, there's been times when my husband has asked me to do something that I didn't really want to do, but I did it out of obedience to him and out of obedience to the Lord. My heart may not have been in the best position, but I was obedient. And I believe that there will be rewards in heaven for me for being obedient to what my husband asked and what I knew God wanted me to do. So we have to check the motive of our hearts. We also have to check our hearts to see whether they are 
But most importantly, we have to ask, are we listening to God and are we obeying him? So he generously gives us these gifts that he's going to reward us for using. That's pretty cool. But we do have to be careful to actually use them, not to bury them, and to use them in the right way. And it talks about how he is the judge. He knows our motives. He knows our heart. He's the only one that knows that. So he's the one who's capable of judging that. Mm-hmm. It tells us in that passage in Second Corinthians 5.10, uh, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed or receive rewards. The so that in that passage is the purpose. And the purpose that we're standing before Christ are for these rewards. It's not for judgment of bad things we've done or judgment for sin or judgment for mistakes. It's going to be a positive experience. This doesn't determine where we're going to spend eternity because we're already in heaven. It doesn't mean we're saved by doing these good works. It means these are an aftermath and the outgrowth of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Remember, we're not saved by anything we do, not by our merit, but by his mercy. So what are these deeds that we've done in the body? Remember, this is the deeds we've done on earth, not in heaven. I can't help but think that when we get to heaven, everyone's cup's going to be full. But some of us are going to have bigger cups than others. For example, I see Billy Graham walking around with a whole bunch of crowns on his head and a whole bunch of cups in his hand, filled with rewards that God has given him. But remember, it's the motive of our heart. Jesus will evaluate the what and the why. What has been done? What were the reasons? Who got the glory? That's another thing. You can do a godly thing. I could teach. People could get saved. But if I did it so I got the glory, I might not receive any rewards for that. Because everything we do must be for God's glory, for his praise, for his power, everything honoring God. So we can be grateful that he gives us the means to do that. And we just need to submit to the Holy Spirit so that we have the right desires. And and if we don't, we can just submit that to him and just say, I don't think I'm doing this for the right reasons, Lord. You know, change my heart, change my attitude, change my motives. And he can do that. We learned some interesting things about our rewards from 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. We're told that according to the grace of God, which was given to me, Paul had said this, Like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which was laid, which is Christ Jesus. That tells us right there that every good work must be done for and on the basis of Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, each man's work will become evident For the day will show it because it is revealed with fire. And that day that it will show it is the judgment seat of Christ. It goes on to say, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work, which he's built on it remains, and that's the gold, silver, and precious stones because those wouldn't burn up in the fire, he will receive a reward. But if any man's work is burned up, that would be the wood, hay, and stubble, He will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So we're saved already. It's just the rewards that are going to be judged, and some are going to be honored, and some aren't. So when he suffers loss, it's it's loss of potential rewards that he could have gotten, but he is saved, even though he's going to smell like smoke, but uh, he's going to be saved. 
So now we have to get to what this passage is talking about it when it says we're going to receive rewards for the things that we've done in the body, whether they be good or bad. Let's talk about the good ones first. Those are the ones that we will receive praise for. First Corinthians 4, 5 says, each man's praise will come to him from God. Jesus will say in the parable of the talents, well done, good and faithful servant. Those are the good things. Those are the privileges, the crowns that we'll talk about in a little while that we can receive because of what we've done for the kingdom of God. So we receive praise, we receive privileges, and then we receive physicians. We're told in 2 Timothy 2.12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. What does it mean to reign? Will everybody reign with God? Well, we as believers will all reign with Jesus in the millennial kingdom. But in heaven, there's going to be different positions. Have you ever considered that before? He tells us, I believe, that example in the parable of the talents out of Matthew 25. We're not going to read the whole parable right now, but what it tells us in verse 21, Jesus said to the faithful servant, well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Now that's someone that the owner had given five talents to. And he used his five talents to gain five more. And that's how the owner, being Jesus Christ here, of course, that's how he responds is saying, you've done well. You've been faithful. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. So when we receive these rewards, I believe they're to give us positions in heaven, certain things that we can do in heaven, in that kingdom, because we are faithful to Jesus here on earth. We prepared for them here on earth. And this isn't a competition. I like what you said when you said everybody will have a full cup. Some cups might be bigger than others, but I think everybody's going to be pleased with their full cup because God in his grace is going to do this in a gracious manner. And we're all going to be pleased at the part of the kingdom that we are. It's just that we have an opportunity to fulfill everything that God has put into us and be the very best that we can be. God is going to judge us on what we're capable of doing. And not every person is capable of doing the same thing. That's why we don't judge each other in this or compete with each other, because your gifts might be 10 times more quality than my gifts are. Does that mean you'll get 10 times more reward? I don't believe so. God's looking for faithfulness in what he's given us. If I'm only given one ability and I do it faithfully and you're given a hundred abilities and you do them faithfully, I think we're going to get the same rewards because we both have the right hearts in serving God with what he has given us. One of the rewards that's mentioned that's kind of interesting is the concept of receiving crowns for certain things that we do here on earth and what happens with those crowns. Could you name those and explain which They're each for specific things, right? Yes, they are. There's five crowns. One is the crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4, 8 says the righteous judge will award to me on that day. Well, if you read the context of it, righteousness is synonymous with being saved. So each person who's saved automatically has a crown, the crown of righteousness that we will receive from Jesus because we have believed in him as Lord and Savior. I think of the thief on the cross who did nothing except believe in Jesus at the last moment of his life. When he gets to heaven, he has a crown 
to lay at Christ's feet because that salvation that we have isn't anything that we earned. He gave it to us. And the crown we have is because he did the work for us and he chose to give it to us. Then in 1 Corinthians 9, 25 to 27, we have a victor's crown. That passage reads, everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable. The idea there is denying oneself. When you run a race, when you're exercising, you deny your body so that you can build strength and have the endurance that you need to run the race. Well, the same thing is here on earth. When we deny ourselves and follow Christ, we build those spiritual muscles and that spiritual strength. And when we do, we will be the victors and we receive the victor's crowns. The third one that's mentioned in James 1.12 is for the persecution or for those who've been martyred. The passage reads, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life. So there's a special crown waiting for us in heaven when we've been persecuted or martyred. And many people in this world are being martyred in the cause of Christ these days. That's the one that none of us want to have, but it's a special one in heaven. Then you have the soul winner's crown. It's called the crown of exaltation from 1 Thessalonians 2.19. Paul writes, For who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? And that's Paul acknowledging that the Thessalonians are followers of Christ because of the teaching that Paul has given them and the belief that they have in his sharing the gospel to them. So that's a soul on his crown. That's what Billy Graham's going to have a lot of. And finally, we have the crown of glory, also known as the shepherd's crown in 1 Peter 5, 4. The elders of the church are told to shepherd the flock and then you will receive the unfading crown of glory. That's designed strictly for pastors, those who lead the flock. Five different crowns that are mentioned. Every one of us will have at least one. But if we've done any of these other things, we're going to have other crowns. Plus all the other rewards that we do for things that God shows us to do that are different for each one of us. When I think about rewards, sometimes I think that there are going to be rewards that we maybe are expecting that we're not going to get because of the fact that we were expecting them. And there are going to be rewards that we're going to be completely surprised about, something that we didn't even think about that we did that God treasured and valued in rewards. But then there's these bad things that we're going to be judged on. And you think, oh, no, I don't want to stand before Jesus and be sad. But the bad things are really what's worthless not worthy of reward. It actually means in the Greek, kokos means to retreat in battle. That's that wood, hay, and stubble that we talked about, where we had opportunities to serve. Maybe we were asked to do something and we just didn't want to do it, or we didn't feel called to do it. Now, we didn't pray about it. We just didn't feel called to do it. There are lots of things in life that, unfortunately, we just don't do. Maybe it's giving, Maybe God calls us to give to a certain ministry or more to our church or to tithe more than we're supposed to. Maybe it's just calling someone up on the phone. Do you ever have a desire or at least a heartfelt belief that you need to call somebody? You don't know why. And you think, well, I don't know what I'm going to say. And there's no reason to call them. One time I was cleaning my house and I looked across the street and I saw my neighbor's house and I just had this urge to go talk to my neighbor. 
she was fairly new in the neighborhood. We really didn't know each other. And I had no reason to go over there. But I thought, yikes, you know, what if this is from God? Whenever I get an urge like that, my thought is, what if this is from God? What's the worst thing that can happen? I mean, why not do it? So I did. I went over there. We talked for about 10 or 15 minutes. Nice conversation. Nothing spiritual, nothing about life. Didn't change our relationship or anything. But I felt like I was obedient to God in doing it. That's one of those rewards that I'll have in heaven, I believe, because I obeyed God. And if it wasn't God, I didn't lose anything by doing it. So those are the good things. But what if I hadn't obeyed? What if I hadn't walked across the street? Uh, Would anything have changed? I don't have a clue. But maybe that would have been one of those things that was bad, that isn't worthy of receiving a reward because God called me to do it and I didn't do it. So let's make sure that everything we do on this earth is for God. Now, the question we have to ask ourselves is, how are we to live? How are we to live in order to honor God? And the first thing is to obey his word. First Samuel fifteen twenty two, God says to obey is better than sacrifice. Whatever he leads us to do, whatever we think might be of God, if it's not wrong, do it. Because you don't know, it might be what God's telling us. We need to use our talents and our gifts in what he's given us because he's given us gifts to serve him with. Do it for his glory and his purpose. You see, Jesus expects a return on his investment. In Colossians 3, and 23, he says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. For from the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. That's these rewards. For it is the Lord Christ whom we serve. Use your gifts for God and your strengths for him and for his purpose. And give as he calls us to give. He tells us in Matthew 6, 20 to lay up our treasures in heaven and that giving may be money. It may be time. It may be ability. Whatever it is, give. Matthew 6, 33, we're told to seek him first, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. Now, those are worldly things, but we also have the heavenly things to enjoy, too. Here's a difficult one, and that is we need to exercise self-control. Because Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 9, 25 to 27, everyone who competes in the games exercise self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make him my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself might not be disqualified. So do everything for the Lord. And by the way, if we're doing things to receive rewards in heaven, that's the wrong motive. God won't honor that and we won't receive rewards. We do it for God. We do it for his glory. We do it humbly. Matthew 18, 4 says, whoever then humbles himself as this little child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So do all that. Do everything else God tells you to do. And when you get to heaven, you're going to have a boatload of rewards because you honored Christ here on earth. So begin serving God today. It's never too late. Serve him with the right heart and the right motives. Serve him so he gets the glory. Be faithful in all things, big and little. 
And when you get to heaven, you're going to be surprised at what God gives you. And the crowns he gives us, according to Revelation chapter 4, verse 10, we're going to cast those crowns before his throne because he's the one who gave us the ability to earn them in the first place. I want lots of crowns. I want lots of rewards so I can cast them at the feet of Jesus. I want to know him in this life so I can serve him faithfully so that in eternity, it's going to be the greatest experience any of us could ever hope to have. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.